Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. I am your host, Sarah Heron. It is week two of Gabby and Rachel's season of The Bachelorette, and things are kind of imploding, um, but also very exciting and a lot of connections forming and people being kicked out. And I have someone who has been covering The Bachelor for quite some time. You know her from the Love to See It podcast with her host, Claire. Emma Gray, how are you? I am good. Oh my goodness. I honestly, I am loving this season of The Bachelorette and I'm very excited to be here today and to chat about it with you. I'm loving it too. And I, when I met you at Bachelor Live, I told you I used to listen to here to make friends all the time. So I'm very familiar with how you guys talk about the show and I, I love it. And I feel like you've been, how long have you been covering The Bachelor? For a long time. A very long time. I mean, podcasting about it for seven years. That's, imp- so. that's impressive with everyone in the podcast these days. You guys have been on the forefront. The front line. I know we, we got in early on the ground floor, you know, uh, and now everyone has a bachelor podcast. It's true, but this is going to be the best recap you need to hear everyone. Um, and at the end of this episode, you will hear briefly from Ashley Cook, the lovely country singer who sang to no one on last night's episode. Oh she my goodness. And she, she was so sweet and she kind of flipped it around in a very nice way. Um, so we'll get to that, but she will be here. Um, but let's just start at the beginning of this episode. I mean, we kicked off with the men having to sleep on the couch. I loved this. I was like, this is just the low grade suffering of hot men that I crave. Yes. Like, look, if you want to date these two wonderful women, you have to work for it. And that includes sleeping on the outdoor couch and cramming into the kitchen to just like guzzle eggs like Gaston. <laughs> like, I don't really like, like all I could think of. And it is so funny because it was like, you guys are lucky you get to stay here. But we also know that the rose ceremony probably ended at like 7 a.m. So they were like, good luck. Find a place to crash. We'll be back here like bright and early. So sleeping on the couch, I I doubt they even really slept. They're like, you have time for a three hour nap and yes. then pop the champagne, get back to it. And time put your some speedo dates. on. Put yeah, your time on. to strip because that's equality. What did you think of the pageant? I thought it was very campy and silly. Um, There were pieces of it that I enjoyed. I also was like, I don't know if you've seen the Roses for Everybody Mm -hmm, campaign. Yeah, for um, 
body diversity and fat bachelor inclusion. And there was something that felt like, so it was such a reminder of how this show, um, prizes thinness and like specific bodies for both women and men who come on the show. And that felt like very front and center to me watching this as they're all like, you need to show us your six pack abs because who would be on this show if they don't have very visible ripped torsos. Yeah, you're definitely right. And I also think there was something about the guys though, that it might've been one of their more likable moments, this group in the, because some of them were like, I'm hairy and pale. I'm insecure. Like it was a little bit like, oh, right. They're, they're guys, they're people too. And I feel like overall, I don't know, we'll, we'll get to it, but there was definitely some, some lackluster men, I think (laughs) on this season so far to put it, you know, in what we've seen. And that was kind of a nice moment of making them be vulnerable. And And we got to see some juggling, which was impressive. Mario out here is just the juggling. I mean, they only had 30 minutes to prepare. So unless you're Logan, who's like, very confused and thinks that worms are the same thing as caterpillars. <laughs> that's, that's the science lesson that was missing. You yeah. are not, you're right. A word is a caterpillar, not a worm. I didn't even pick up on that. Oh my God. Um, I also think it was such a missed opportunity not to get more answers to their questions. Like the questions right? the girls were asking, well, how would your ex describe you? Like, that's a great question. And only, we only saw Logan's answer. We got one answer. And then they did this super cut of all of these questions. And I was like, and at, oh, oh, we're just going to move right. Oh, okay. Yeah. There are I, some more black boxes. The black box, which is this weird thing. I feel like the franchise thinks is like so funny, but it's really just so stupid. And we never know if it's actually covering anything or just like putting this in our head. I think it's mostly just like giving us, trying to give us like an image. I agree. Um, and you had, you know, meatball pouring sauce in himself, which was just unfortunate for everyone involved. I just wish it hadn't been meat sauce. Like I understand they needed him to commit because his only personality trait is that his nickname is meatball, but I don't know. There's something about like the, the cold meat sauce. That was just really gross. It was really gross. And as Rachel put it, I'm Italian, but I don't do jarred sauce. Um, unless, you know, it's grocery store Joe sauce. I'm surprised they didn't try to get a plug in there since him and Serena are in a half the oh ads my God. on this um, network now. Um, but yeah, I think overall it was like a fun, nice thing to do. It was raining. Like they said, it would have been a pool party. And I think Gabby and Rachel, one of their huge strengths is keeping things light and fun and the way they yes. balance off each other. I know a lot of people are like, they should have gotten their own seasons. Um, and I, I think that that's definitely a fair argument, but I do think one thing that's fun to watch is the two of them just having fun together. I actually really love having the two bachelorettes. I think it does, as you said, like bring a levity. They can play off of each other. I think we get to see a lot more of Rachel's personality than perhaps we would have if she had her solo season because Gabby's kind of more goofy energy brings that out in her. Like it's just, it all feels a little bit more lived in and more natural. We get to see where they're living when they're having these little interstitials where they're chatting with each other. It's like so much less weird than like, one of the dudes like sitting in bed doing like a video diary or like writing in his right. journal or like bringing a random Sean Lowe past having past to come yeah, and try to pretend exactly. that he cares at all or even like Chris Harrison or Jesse Palmer and I think that that was something that people connected with with like Caitlin Bristow with Katie Thurston and Michelle mm-hmm. but I feel like especially with Katie towards those later episodes like if Caitlin wasn't there and Tasha, I don't know what where Katie Thurston would have turned um but I think that that was, that's happening organically for sure. And I think the drama 
it it also happens a little bit more organically that way because it's more of a real life situation of you gossip with your friend, you get in your head, um, but you do have more of like somewhere that you can trust to turn versus, you know, Jesse Palmer's been on screen for like 30 seconds, which is fine, but it's kind of funny. I don't know. I kind of love that for him. I'm like, he's not giving us the like creepy paternalistic Chris Harrison vibes. He's just here to do his job and wander around and be like, I may host this show, but I don't know what the fuck is going on here. I don't know the rules because Gabby and Rachel are making them up. And I feel like I kept saying that they kept saying that also, because like, if this goes wrong, they can be like, well, they, we, we told them they could do whatever they wanted. I'm like, is that an insurance policy or what, what is that? Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, sir, you are literally employed by this show. Right. Like it is you your have job to, to know. <laughs> you have to answer for it to some set, like the same way, like you kind of become the face of it because you're the only consistent thing, which is clearly what they want, which is why they picked him versus doing some sort of rotation. So I think it is funny that they're like really laying it on where he just shows up and he's like, you guys look great. Like whatever you want to do tonight, like row ceremony, maybe who knows? I know, but I do. I, I, I prefer it to the Chris Harrison vibe. And I like that he is just there to host and the, the women are there to talk each other through the hard emotional moments. I agree. I think it works. Um, so obviously after the pageant, we had a handful of guys get one-on-one time with them. And it's interesting to note that two of the guys, Colin and Brandon were actually ones that got sent home. So they did get one-on-one time with them, which I think also just shows that Gabby and Rachel really like, aren't afraid to make a cut, even though cause night one, they, they obviously didn't because they felt like they couldn't, but I mean, second episode, sending people home on one-on-one dates, sending people home after getting group date time. I feel like in the past, it's usually just guys that you don't ever see in the beginning. And these are men who technically we saw get one-on-one time with them. And they were just like, nope, not it. I don't care that you listen to Harry Potter to go to bed, Colin, you're going home. I know I was like, Colin, Jim Dale is actually a really talented narrator, um, but this perhaps is not the most romantic conversation. Um, Yeah, I I actually enjoy this about them, that they're like, we need to spend time with people to give them a chance. But it's like, if you've been if you've been a dating person, you know that so often you'll go on a first date, sit down with someone and like 10 minutes in, you're like, "Eh, that's not it for me. Yeah. Like this person might be great. We might be able to have a conversation, but like, I don't see it romantically. And so I feel like, again, it feels more realistic. They're like, we had our time with you. Neither of us are into you. You got to go. And I think they were so scarred isn't necessarily the right word, but everything that happened with Clayton, they got that validation over and over again to then get it ripped out from under them that it's still so fresh for them too, that I have to imagine they probably just keep thinking like, I really don't want to do to someone else what Clayton did to me. And it's the nature of the show. So it happens at some point but I think they're trying to avoid that. I feel like it has to be top of mind still. That's a good point. I keep forgetting like how fresh that season was for them because we've now had this like big long break. Right. What did but... you think of the Clayton? I called it slander last week. Um, shade, slander, all in good fun to some degree. Maybe not, maybe went too far. What did? What was your take on the Clayton mentions? It was just like got a little boring. I was like, okay, we get it. Like 20 yeah. people didn't need to make this joke. I, I mostly just appreciated that Clayton and Susie both had a really good attitude about it. And I was like, I'm glad that they are happy. So this can just roll off because it's obviously ridiculous. Yeah. They seem so solid. I mean, obviously we only see what we see on Instagram with these and these bachelor couples, especially you never know, but I think that they, it's just like so wild to see them be like so silly and 
lighthearted and take this on and not like avoid it. Like they're live tweeting the show. Like they watched again last night. Like, I feel like I would not be interested in watching this by them. But... I feel like Susie is just like the best yes. thing that ever happened. <laughs> I think Clayton. so too. I think so too. And, and I, I think, think she... he knows. I think so too. And that's why I think it works because she's like light and yeah. fun and funny after this dark time. And I think he's, I hope he's, a. it seems like he's appreciating that. Like he didn't know what he would be doing without Susie right now while this is yeah. airing. The Clayton sucks choir that would have landed more if five other people didn't make the same joke right before the kids showed up. <sighs> um, the night portion of the state, though, had a lot of people talking because it was kind of the first time we saw a little bit of Rachel, you know, feeling insecure, very naturally watching these guys bond with Gabby. It's a very specific group, um, but I think any girl or person could relate to that. Um, and that was a big criticism. I know Caitlin Bristow was tweeting like, I can't believe they're doing it this way, whatever. Um, but is it just like the nature of the, of the show? You're going to have good days and bad days. Is it not cool? I mean, we, again, we saw them still supporting each other through it. It's not like Gabby was like, they like me, screw you go home. Um, but you feel for Rachel, obviously in that moment. Cause that was very relatable. Like who would want to watch your friend, all the guys sit on your friend and you're just like sitting there, like I'm the cousin or whatever. She said. Oh yeah. It was, it was super relatable actually. Like as someone who is, you know, if you've ever like been someone who's like gone out and with a bunch of like tall, hot friends and yes. you're just like, am I invisible here? Like, I feel like that is a very relatable feeling for a lot of people. And so I don't know. I felt of two minds of it. Like part of it, I thought like just was kind of natural. Like this is going to happen. And also I think production is pretty clearly trying to sort of have that be Rachel's central narrative. And uh, my big hope is that that doesn't continue for the whole season. Yeah. We do know at a certain point, I think soon the guys are going to be forced to kind of pick a track. And so they're clearly leaning into to Rachel's sort of natural insecurities. She's like, I didn't, I don't know if I deserve to be here. I never thought I'd be the bachelorette. She's a little bit more likely to kind of, she's a little less, she's more reserved. And so yeah. I think naturally she's, she'll fall back a little bit. Um, and I think that they are exploiting that as they do with any contestants insecurities, because that mining that is what makes for compelling television. And so it's yeah. like very hard to watch. And I just, I'm really hoping that it's going to turn out well for her and that she's going to come to a place of greater confidence as we kind of move through the season, because watching her kind of break down this way, the whole season will just be like really a, a real, real bummer. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that it is like a natural narrative and because it is like a relatable thing and you can look at it that way. But also I, I, totally agree with you that if it was all season of either one of them being like, oh, right. like her better. And even if it's switched every week, like that's just not fun for anyone. Cause no one wants you to want, feel right. that or watch that. You want them to feel like they're in their power at a certain point and yeah. just really like running the show. And obviously we know that these tensions are going to be there. We've seen the previews. Like I, I was never naive enough to think they wouldn't exploit that dynamic to an extent, but I don't know. I also just feel like part of it is a product of the fact that Rachel is quite a bit younger than Gabby. Yeah. I and... feel like people aren't talking about that. She's 26 yeah. and Gabby's 31, which even casting this group of guys would go into different things if they really cared about who they were putting them with. Like that's a big, you're they're totally different people at 26 and 31. Yeah. And like those years, I think if you are someone that is single and dating, you learn so much about how to be a good dater and how to figure out what you want and how to filter for the right things and also how to focus on 
like, do I like this person versus um, aren't do enough people find me desirable? Like, I just think that's a really, those are big developmental years. Um, And I think that that age gap is showing up here too. Yeah, I definitely think so. And on this group, on this group portion of the date, also we saw Logan who kind of night one also was with both of them. Um, and that happened again. Um, I'm nervous about Logan. I'm nervous too. I don't have high hopes. I mean, it's one thing to like explore both connections. It's week two. I get it. Whatever day two, probably like literally day three of filming the show. Um, and that's the whole point. And that's what they're probably encouraging to do. But the lines of like, there's an ocean under yes. your eyes. I was like, oh God, that made me want to die. It's like this man prepared. That's what was yes. like weird about it. Like, and it felt very different to me than what Mario did, which was like, I haven't talked to Rachel I want to see if I connect with her. I'm going to plan a fun little mini date. That seemed like, yeah, of course you should spend time with both of them. Logan is like going in for the kiss with both of them. He's like, I just really want you to know that you're so brave. Brave. You're so brave for being here. Oh, Gabby, you, you make people laugh, but there's an ocean of depth beneath that. Those were prepared lines. You're right. Sure. Yeah. You practiced in the mirror and you were like, I'm gonna charm them. I'm going to make them each feel so special. And I'm not saying it's fully calculated, but I think it's going to get him into some trouble and it's going to cause some, some pain for these women. I think so too. And I think it was very strategic also the way they showed the conversation between Gabby and Rachel in which we see Rachel tell Gabby, Oh, we kissed. And it looks like Gabby didn't tell Rachel we kissed. I'm sure she did. Um, and they cut that out because if anything that I haven't really been worried about is these two being like transparent with each other. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of like a lame cheating way. Like the audience isn't stupid. Like, I feel like it's, it would make, we know that she knows like, and then for her to give him the rose, like that's maybe they just agreed. Okay. We both like him. You give him the rose since you don't want to give it to anyone else. We'll keep him around. Yeah. I also think that like at a certain point they are going to have to be like, okay, I'm going to kind of back off because I'm also interested in other people. It's not like, it's not like we're really led to believe that Gabby and Rachel both like Logan more than all these other people. Like we have Avon, we have Jason, people that you can sense are going to be major players that we haven't seen a lot from Mm -hmm. early. So they have other interests. Eric. Yeah. There are other people that they are like individually interested in. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, I feel like Logan's going to be like a mid season flame out. Yeah. I think so too. I think he's going to crash and burn. Like they're going to, it could be one of the people they're talking about in the trailer of like control or trying to, um, put them or like take control or still talking about both of them, maybe when they do draw the line. Um, but that leads us to Rachel's first one-on-one with Jordan V Poor little Jordan V seemed like a nice guy. Very cute. They do the zero gravity kiss like Nick and Vanessa. Um, You know, no vomiting, no vomiting seemingly went better, but not so much. (laughs) I know. I felt so bad for Jordan. I I think this was like the classic good on paper guy. Mm -hmm. Like he checked all the boxes. Objectively, the date was a good date. Yeah. And I think tactically, Rachel could have really easily kept him like, stack the deck with like in the house with people who are into me. This guy is nice. We can be, have a good friendship. And I was just like, is she, she's just a really bad actor and like, can't fake it. That's probably part of it. I think the terror on her face was really hard to ignore. And I also think she, I am of the mindset of, and I'm not spoiled at all. I'm of the mindset that she just is already in love with Tino. So she's Mm. going through this comparing the connections to Tino. So I do see Tino as like, I mean, he'll be final four for sure, but I can totally see her ending up with Tino. 
I think so too. And I think she like, even if he, she doesn't, which I think she does, she felt something with him night one that we saw her like quickly let her guard down. They were like, couldn't keep their hands off each other. So I feel like now she's in her head about it, where if she doesn't feel that with Jordan V, who seems like a perfectly nice guy, you know, he's, he did the steps. He opened up about his parents' divorce. He followed the bachelor rules. Oh my God, poor Jordan V. Poor Jordan V. And I think she was just like, well, Tino made me like feel all the feels. I think she just didn't. She just, yeah. She just was like, I don't feel that thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go through the motions of faking it, stringing someone along if I really don't feel it or having to now go to a private concert and make out with this person when I don't want to do that. Like, I understand, like, again, on a normal in life, on a normal date, you would just be like, wow, one drink is enough. (laughs) So it was so genuinely nice to meet you. And then if they followed up, you'd be like, I had a really great time, but I don't see things going any further with us romantically. Like have a nice life. Right. And instead she has to literally kick him off a television show. Yeah. Um, and I also feel like production was like, great. This is a change in form. True. We have another one-on-one date that we sense is going to go well. Like let's just let this one crash and burn right. and it'll be kind of uh, subverting expectations, which it did. And I thought it was kind of enjoyable. Yeah, it was. It was refreshing. And it's like, you're right, because there's Gabby and her connections too. It's like, it's not like she's Claire crawling it where it's Dale. Like, even if it does become Rachel and Tino show, we got a whole other thing going on. And with Gabby, I think it's fair to say that we have no idea where it's going to go. There's, she seems to be kissing a lot of guys in the promo. And if you watch it again, Rachel seems to be with Tino quite a bit in the teaser also. So I know, but also like Avon and Zach, I think we're going to see a lot more from. Okay. Okay. So you, maybe I was just like, I'm like, why is Tino? I've really been watching these trailers closely. Well, I'm like, I don't know. Jason seems like he's going to be a major player for Gabby. And we like, haven't seen anything from him yet. Is he the one who looks like Michael Buble? Or I think he looks like Michael Buble. Yeah. I think he looks like Brian Greenberg. Oh, from One Tree Hill. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Little Jake Jagelski. Yes. I've loved him ever since (laughs) he was Jake Jagelski. No, he's cute. And he was on the, like the, the group date. I think they had like a moment, but like, it was like pretty brushed. Yeah. Over. We mostly just saw him with Rachel saying, I'm here for Gabby. Yeah, I'm here for Gabby. Oh, again, rough, rough yeah. night for Rachel. But also like, you could have to kind of respect the guy that is just like not going along with it too. Like I think in a, in a nice way, I would rather, cause then some people were like, oh, poor Rachel. But then there's another part of it where it's like, at least if you have like three or four solid guys, who you know, are there for you, it's less to juggle. Gabby mm-hmm. has to do more of the legwork of being the quote unquote bachelorette and break people's hearts. Like I almost in the moment, I would feel devastated if they weren't all in love with me too. But like you almost looking back, like it probably makes it easier to be the one As that you has get less. down to it. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, okay. I can just zone in on these people who I have a mutual connection with and just like go to the end. Yeah. Something a lot of people were talking about was did Rachel sending Jordan V home? Like, is that fair to Gabby? And I feel like people are really harping on that. And I feel like the two of them, as they're talking in bed all the time about what's going on, went into the date, like Rachel being like, if I don't like him, what do I do? And Gabby was probably like, send him home. Like, I don't care. Yeah, like, I feel like they talked about that. This is a guy that said he was there for Rachel night one. And he's like 25. Yeah. Gabby is he's not interested. <laughs> 31 has nothing in common with him she was clearly not interested in him. Like, I I really think that they are communicating about these things and also that production is aware. Yeah, of I these almost things. think they might have radioed Gabby and be like, you're sure you're good, Jordan V? All right, he's out. Like, <laughs> almost like almost like a yeah. Like, I'm just really not, I'm not worried about that. I wasn't either, but so many people on Twitter were. And I was like, I feel like, again, if anything, these two are communicating better than anyone has ever communicated on yeah. this show. 
Also, like the show is trying to set them up for, yes, for tension, but also for ultimate success. So if they thought like, ooh, Jordan says he's there for Rachel, but he's going to hit it off with Gabby. Like they would keep him there. Yeah. Or may let him come back, like find a way. Yeah. Like, I think so. No, he wasn't for either of them. And yeah, it's okay. Maybe he'll be on paradise. I feel like he's he's cute. He'll be fine. This will get him, get him some. He's going to be fine. (laughs) Um, Gabby had a one-on-one with Nate. Um, I feel like very quickly, Nate won the hearts over of Bachelor Nation. I love him. If mm-hmm. he doesn't end up with Gabby, I want him to be the bachelor. Yeah. I love him. He's adorable. He's a single dad. Mm-hmm. He is emotionally intelligent. He did such a good job of stepping into the like drama with Chris just enough, but oh, drawing yeah. boundaries. And he and Gabby just have the sweetest, most natural, goofy chemistry together. They're like giggling. They're making out at the beginning of the date, like it just felt like, and I think Gabby says this it just felt like an actual date. And they, they're, they're similar. Like they, the voices they were making the, like, he's kind of like, like he kind of gets giddy and giggles and she does that. And they're sarcastic, but also like, they're smart, but like, he's they're in also his silly. 30s, like, yes. which I always love to he's see experienced life because he has a six-year-old daughter who he, you know, was getting emotional speaking about, which made Gabby emotional. Oh my God. And I was crying. Him, it's fine. Yeah, who wasn't? I mean, such the bachelor to go from that awkward, weird toast with Rachel to a helicopter, to a hot tub, to tears all within a matter of 10 minutes. I actually enjoyed when the three of them were hanging Did out in the you? kitchen. Yeah, it felt to me totally like if you have a roommate and your roommate's going on a date True. and the person stops by before and you have that moment where you're sort of like feeling the person out for your roommate or friend. Like, I don't know if again, it felt natural and lived into me. Yeah. All right. That's a good point. That's good. It just felt like it was like, oh, kick Rachel while she's down. Not that they were doing it on purpose. I know. I do think maybe that was kind of the point, but I don't, again, I don't think Rachel is like into Nate. So I don't think it made her feel bad. Yeah. True. I think she was like, oh, I'm excited for Gabby. Wish my date had gone. Yeah. And maybe one could go like that for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was great. Um, and I think it was so interesting too. like, Gabby, yeah, there's so many layers to Gabby that I feel like there's just like so much to know about her and she's lived like five lives and she's an NFL cheerleader, but also like an ICU nurse and she's just like hilarious, but also probably smart as hell. Like there's just a lot going on there. And it was so interesting to hear her talk about like her mom, because that's not necessarily like a dynamic you hear about often or that, especially on this show would get explored, like not necessarily being close with her mom and like where that leads to her of whether she wants to be a mom um, and that was, I feel like we just saw a little bit of it, but I thought that was so interesting to kind of start to hear from her about. Yeah. I love that. And I know that, you know, for anyone who watched Clayton season, that is like one of the major things that we did know about mm-hmm. Gabby is this like estranged relationship with her mother and the fact that she's kind of had to draw that boundary. Um, and I think that that is definitely something that like, probably there are a lot of people watching that have had to make hard decisions about yeah. boundaries with close family members. And I love that that is, is able to be explored on the show and that Gabby is able to speak about it kind of candidly. Um, and yeah, be honest about the way that it's impacted her and also kind of contrast that to the beautiful relationship she clearly has with her dad. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. And also it was interesting to hear her sort of have a very relatable and normal reaction about like what, it, what would it look like for me to become a parent? What fears do I have around that? Is that something I'm ready for right now? And I also enjoyed that she was like, 
you know, this is something I'm flagging. I have to think about whether being a bonus parent to a six-year-old is something I'm ready for, but also I really like this guy and I don't really need to make that decision right now. Yeah. A hundred percent. It makes me nervous because I feel like the single parents, it doesn't usually end well. It gets to like a hometown and then it sets in, which is fair. Like I get it. It's no one's fault. It is a lot to meet the child. This is, or, this is why I think he might trope. be next bachelor more than Gabby's final one. Yeah. Like Jason Mesnick, when we got to watch it, him yes. have a little tie in. <laughs> I love, yeah, I, I love Mesnick. I'm, yeah. I'm here for another single dad season. I think so too. And like Nate, uh, clearly I stalked him on Instagram to, you know, try to see the daughter and she's nowhere to be found. Like he clearly cares about the privacy yeah. of his daughter. He I noted that like too. A, a good guy and whatever. And it's selfishly, I was like, I want to see this cute little girl, but I think I it probably is for the best that you didn't. Cause then it would be on the pages of us weekly and wherever else. So fair, <laughs> Nate fair. Um, but that would be very interesting. I think if we did get another single parent in that role, cause it's been a while since you're Emily Maynard, you're Jason Mesnick, but of course, you know, all the good stuff that happened. Then we had Chris. <laughs> who set it himself up. For, I mean, from the beginning of the episode, number one leader, you mean yes, number, number one leader, Chris to the fantasy room. He's making up new names for things. Oh, that, that was Quincy. Oh, that was Quincy. Okay. Yeah, um, no, Chris, Chris is using the correct terminology because oh, he, he knows a, he's a student. He's yeah, a student. He, and some guys need to test right now, but I don't need to. So like, have a good time. What he said to oh, the guys going my on. My goodness. Date. I just Hockey. keep thinking about how his bio um, said that he was his own favorite author. And I think that just really explains a lot about Chris. Oh my God. I don't think I even clocked that. Oh yes. He's his own favorite author. He's his own favorite author. He's written two books about like the mentality of right, he's volleyball a men- or something like sports. He's a mentality something. coach. For sports. For spo- sports. Yeah. Okay. So like a volleyball player who needs to get like their head in the game. Get like their head in the game. Yeah, like, I think so. I think so. <laughs> oh my God. Because I saw some people pointing out like Carl from last season or the season before was like also like a motivational speaker and that sometimes, you know, they're a scourge, right? Need, like it's, they are honestly, I get it. Like get why the franchise has leaned into casting these people because they have just like such an unearned overconfidence. That's their entire job. Totally. And then it comes out in uh, weird and dark ways, weird and dark ways. So what did you think in the beginning when he was talking to the guys? And then obviously we'll segue into the cocktail party when he was bringing up the fantasy suites. Cause I mean, as the stuff he was saying was definitely gross and like uncalled for, but I also am like, did they tell him like, Oh, go ask about the fantasy suites. Did he bring it up on his own accord? Like, is yeah. he just trying to figure out or just talk through the show? Cause they're bored. Um, I definitely think him asserting that he's going to give them an ultimatum on day two, when he allegedly hadn't even spoken to Gabby is pretty wild when you're signing up for this show. But I wonder even how the conversation came up. I'm sure. Yeah. I was wondering if there was some producer intervention and sort of teeing up that conversation, but like he took the bait, he went for it. And also from what we see, like it didn't look super chopped up. It really looked like he just hard pivoted and was like, well, let me tell you about my sexual deal breakers with these women who I have not really spoken to and sort of using that as a way to like establish dominance over the other men. Yeah. Like it was a tactic. And I think the fact that Jordan asked him later, like, is this something you're planning to bring up ahead of time? And he was like, I don't know, maybe that was a real, a real red flag. Also, he's referring to them as females. And that is always, always a red flag for me. Definitely a red flag. And you're right. Like, We've seen everyone on the show come into the show with different sexual experiences, different expectations. And I think a huge part of it is 
if you, I mean, you know what the show is, right? Like, you know, there's a fantasy suite. It's not you know a how it works. Exactly. So if that's something that is, like, is important to you, I do think that you have to come in with a plan. And also then, you know, I guess things change and you feel it, but like, I don't know. I think it's so, it's just, you're in fantasy we're fake world like you can't be mad about what happened in the fantasy suite because you signed up for this like with other right. people like I and really if, think it's not fair I agree and like if you're going to be then you really need to be clear about that and you need to be very willing to step away far before that even comes up like the whole thing was just very odd and like the of course you're allowed to have whatever sexual and romantic boundaries you want, but like, it is your responsibility to express those things to the people you're dating. And like, again, as Gabby said, it had been four days. Crazy. You know, they talk about weeks, weeks were a couple days. And this guy had not spoken to either of them. And like, also this was just so untactical. I was like, Chris, you, you've studied this show and you are arrogant enough to think that saying this type of stuff out loud to a bunch of your like alleged romantic rivals isn't going to come back to bite you. Like, yeah, you're a, it was just bad gameplay for, it, for a it, person who professionally it gets is people like, get your the, head in the game. Get your head in the game. I also think it's interesting that, you know, a lot of times we see conversations like this happen and it carries over for weeks, which I'm happy that at least it was like this episode. Cause that's always the worst when it's like, Oh, we're still like waiting for the person to drop the bomb to the lead. Like that's so annoying. But I also think these guys, the ones who did tell, um, and kind of explained it, like maybe it's just the way it was edited, but it didn't look as bad as normal. Like it kind of played well. And I also think maybe that is because Rachel could immediately go to talk to Gabby about it. Like they got the information, then they took charge versus like it's stewing. And like, I mean, we watched Clayton who maybe did it the worst, like trying to put pieces together. Oh my God, Um, the men are always so bad at this. They're like, I'm a detective. What I need to do now is just ask the other person with the opposing story to explain again to me and then leave the two of them to just fight to the death. Um, that's my detective work. I've done an amazing job. And yeah, having the two of them, like it felt much more natural. It felt also less like depressingly weighty. It was like they could, and it was very satisfying to watch a duel telling off. I loved that. But yeah, I think the dudes, I think the fact that three of them brought it to her together Mm -hmm. also made it less like one person is like, so it's like the two on one it needs to, yeah, it, it made it, I think it was easier for her to just be like, oh, well, obviously this did happen because these like three very different guys are all telling me that this definitely happened. And also Gabby and I aren't into this guy. So like he can, again, he can go, he can go. Yeah. Do not and need I think this person here, it's always good when they, you know, his responses were also like very like combative, not apologetic, like they were saying. So it like proved itself to them. Cause sometimes the guys can turn it around and, you know, play, play a game. And he, I, I just either has no self-awareness and like really thought he was right. Or just wasn't like, I don't know how, knew how dire this is. He does not was. take criticism. Well, no. Cause he proved itself to them. Like then, then they could immediately be like, okay, we don't have to go ask any more questions. Like we don't even right. like the way you're talking to us right now. So why? He could have very easily been like, you know, I got carried away thinking about where things were going to go. That was inappropriate. And like, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry. And I would love to the get opportunity to get to know both of you. And I hope you can, you know, we can move past this because I don't see you as objects or whatever, whatever. Like, yeah, it, it just, he, he was completely unable he just got defensive and was like, well, obviously you don't want the beautiful opportunity I have given you yeah. to know me. 
ridiculous. My own favorite author. My own favorite author. <laughs> um, and then obviously the rose ceremony. It, I, I mean, nothing too crazy, but we did see them kind of give out the roses together, which was interesting. I think that's been a question people have had, but based on the promo, it doesn't seem like that. It looks like next week, maybe they're already doing the individual yeah, ones, which I right? think makes sense, I guess, because it would be one together. But I also like, how could they not be reading into like who was saying what name? Like, I feel like like Tina, Rachel definitely said Tino. Like there were certain ones that I was like, oh, the they, first like- four were very much clearly divided. It was like, I think it, I know that Avon and Tino were Rachel's. called out by Rachel and then Jason was Gabby. I was like, this is and I think Eric, Jason and Eric were yeah. Gabby's first two roses. I was, I was like, okay, this is yeah. kind of, but yeah, I think you're right. I think they had to just, they have to do it quickly and be like, okay, guys, pick a lane. Yeah. Pick a lane. I think so too. And I think that that'll be, and there will be like, you know, down the line, I'm sure at least one or two of them who are like, like Logan. Yeah. Logan, I made the mistake, whatever. <laughs> Logan will not, will not be able to pick a lane. And that's the organic drama. And that's also going to be, I have full faith in Gabby and Rachel to be like, okay, bye. Like, I don't think one of them is actually going to jump ship and then have a serious relationship with the other one. I think it's going to be their yeah. own, their own departure if, if anything, yeah. because I, it's just not going to work. Gabby and Rachel are going into this very aware of what they value and also aware of the fact that they don't want to make a television show in which two women are fighting with each other. Like you can see that they're being very tender with each other's emotions and being very self-aware about trying to like respect kind of like center that um, beyond these, these dudes, which I think is like smart. I think both of them are just have a good head on their shoulders and like, and they have each other to talk things through with and not just producers. Yeah. I think it's harder to kind of manipulate people when they have an actual friend there to talk to. I totally agree. And I think that as long as we see them still leaning on each other, which seems like we will, that it's going to, it might not work out for both of them (laughs) romantically, but I think overall they're going to maybe leave with less, less wounds or scars. than. Yeah. And also I'm like, even if neither of them, you know, date or marry ultimately long-term someone from uh, this season, they're both going to be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> They're um, like brilliant and extremely gorgeous. I'm yeah, not worried. Absolutely. Do you have any other random predictions or thoughts before we wrap up? I mean, I feel like we covered it all. There was a lot that happened this episode, but again, just like enjoyable television. It went by pretty fast. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think, I think Johnny is going to be a major player. We kind of saw him click with Gabby. Logan is going to implode, head straight to <laughs> paradise. I think yes. implode and straight head straight to Mexico. Uh, and yeah, I just, I want to see more from, from Jason and Nate for bachelor, Nate for bachelor. It's, it's one of those, everyone, I feel like people are definitely jumping on, on that bandwagon and I, I can't start the campaign early. Yes. And I think that was actually a good point to also point out. I did copy down Nate's quote when he said, you cannot have preconditions for love. It's a form of control that a lot of men don't realize they do that damages good women. And it was like, Ugh. Nate, just like wrapping it all up for what we were all thinking, like, um, you know, he said go it away, Chris, but he said like, it perfectly. And then later he says to Chris, Oh, they asked you to leave. That's all I need to hear. Yes. Perfect. He just handles himself perfectly. He is an adult. Ah, oh, I love it. Snaps love it. for Nate. Nate for bachelor. It's the like, triggering. Cause we just had a Nate win. Um, poor Michelle has to go recap that on bachelor happy hour and talk about how great Nate is. Um, but <laughs> yes, Nate for bachelor. Um, Emma, where can everyone listen to your podcast and everything you got going on? 
So you can listen to love to see it with Emma and Claire, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and you can find our other audio project slash written project, uh, rich text, our newsletter at clareandemma.substack.com. And you can find me on social media, uh, at Emily Rose. Oh my God. Thank you so much for joining me. This was so fun. And you guys have to come back when Claire can come too, and we can do it together. I know she is so sad to miss this. So we would obviously love to come back. Oh, maybe for a paradise. That's oh, always yeah. fun. Yes. Bring it on. All right. Awesome. Well, have a great rest of your day. And thank you again. I am joined now by Ashley Cook, who you saw last night on The Bachelorette and made history, maybe in a way she wasn't quite expecting performing on The Bachelorette. We're going to talk about that and her song and her upcoming tour and everything that's going on. Ashley, how are you? I'm doing it so great. Last night was such a high and so much fun. I'm just like on cloud nine today. So tell me about your like background with The Bachelor. You were a fan, correct? Oh, for sure. So I was in a sorority in college and we used to have like, watch parties all the time. And like, I, you know, I've watched the show for a long time. I've had some friends on the show as contestants. So oh, really, I, who, who are your friends who have been contestants? Um, actually I went to school with a guy named Jed Wyatt and he was on the show. And so I watched that season and I was like, Oh my gosh. So I, I know some people throughout the, you know, grapevine that's been on the show and it's been really cool to kind of see it all unfold through the years. And Jed just got engaged. So congrats to him. I know. And his fiance is the most incredible human on the planet. So I'm so oh my God. Okay. Well, that's so, so you find out you're going to be on the show. Are you like so excited? And was it anything like you expected? I mean, I was freaking out to be honest. I was so excited because I, I mean, all my friends, all my family, sorority sisters, they all watch the show. So I was like, Holy crap. So many people watch the show. It's going to be insane. Um, and it was, it was really cool. I, I'll say I didn't expect it to be so real, like so much of the show. And so everything that happens and like the, you know, the drama that unfolds, it's very organic and real and real humans, you know, encountering real love. So it's, it was really cool and eye opening and, and just really interesting to kind of see behind the scenes. And even yesterday on the episode, when Rachel said, I just want to be Rachel, not Rachel, the bachelorette, it, it really kind of like humanized it for me to see her and to see them in this light. It's just, you know, humans on dates trying to find their, their never till now their their loves. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously anyone who watched, they saw that Jordan V who had the one on one with Rachel was gone before the song was performed. Did you see Jordan at all? I did not. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, and honestly, weirdly, it kind of ended up a full circle moment because when I had written never till now, obviously it's a love song, but I was at a place, I was very single. I'm still single. And I was at a place of, you know, trying to kind of manifest my future person of who I wanted to meet down the road and the kind of love that I wanted. And it was a weird full circle moment that wasn't expected, but it turned out to be the same story for Rachel. And that's really cool. Cause I feel like it just kind of all intertwines and it shows that love songs and this song especially can kind of relate to people at all different phases of love, whether you found it or not. So it was really cool. So Rachel was in the room, confirmed Rachel was there. You were not playing to an empty room with Brett Young. Yes, Rachel was there. <laughs> was there any part of you that was like, oh no, like, are we not going to perform because there's no, there's no um, suitor here? You know, I think for a minute, um, I definitely thought that just because I was like, wait, so, you know, we had this understanding that it was like a first date and we were going to serenade them in their first dance. So I think there was a moment of like, wait, so this is not how we intended it to be. Um, but again, I think it really was just a beautiful display of, you know, 
bravery on her end too, to know like, this is simply not right. Like he's such a handsome guy. They really hit it off on that day. You could tell, but like something wasn't there and that's really special. So yeah, I mean, there was definitely a moment, but I think it ended up being a really beautiful, you know, cool kind of unique way of performing. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw you guys took a picture. So you got a chance to meet Rachel. Was she, was she nice? (laughs) The sweetest human on the planet. She DM me last night being like, Oh my gosh, like so great to meet you. And like just the kindest, most amazing human. So really great. And I'm so happy that she kind of hopefully found somebody great. I don't yeah, know. We'll find out. I'm sure you'll be watching now that you're, you know, hooked in. You're part of the story. Um, did you get a chance to meet Gabby or was she not there? Um, no, she wasn't there. It was just Rachel's date. So yeah. Nice. Oh, uh, well, let's talk about the song because it went viral on TikTok first. Is that correct? It did. Yeah. I put it out on my very first project and, you know, we didn't single it or really didn't call much attention to the song. Um, but then I posted a TikTok of it and next thing you know, it went viral. It was like, like top 50 consumption on iTunes for like eight months straight. And that was before I ever signed a record deal. So independently, the song just like organically consumed like crazy. Wow. What is it like to like be scrolling through TikTok and just seeing people like taking your song and turning it into a trend? Cause it was like a kind of a love story trend that people were like really jumping on, right? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's surreal and it's weird. And it's an honor to be the soundtrack of so many people's stories and, and, you know, seeing people want to use it as their first dance song, their wedding songs. And I've seen videos of people doing it as, you know, their, I had a baby moment. I mean, there's just so many different things that, you know, the never tell now can kind of contribute to. So it's really weird. It's cool. Um, you know, I've, I've been a, a consumer of TikToks and a consumer of viral music for a long time. And to have one, you know, go off with my voice on it is really interesting and it's fun. Um, and it's a kind of a new world for me. So it's cool. It's probably awesome that it happened organically too, because I feel like I've seen some stuff and I've, there's been some like random artists who are like, feel like now they have pressure to get their song to somehow go viral. And it's like less, it's, it's probably not as fun if you're like trying to force a TikTok trend on people, whether it's a dance or like a lip sync or whatever. So to happen organically must be the dream in a, this kind of in 2022 or 2021, whatever it was. 100%. And that's honestly, you know, before I signed my deal, my whole team, we all talked about, I was like, guys, you know, I don't ever want to be just posting songs on TikTok to go viral. So I have kind of a different approach where I'll test out songs all the time that I'm probably not going to release just to see what people think. And, you know, not that the, the fans and the consumers dictate everything that I'm doing, but I really want to know what they want to hear and what they want on my project and what they want to see. So, I mean, I just kind of post and whatever happens, happens. And, you know, if, if it's great, it's not, you know, whatever. I mean, it's kind of like, you just can't know with social media, what's going to take off and what's not. And what yeah. people are gonna relate to what they're not. So you just kind of wing it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then how did Brett Young get involved? How did it become a duet? So I put the song out just with my voice on it. Um, when I wrote it with my friend, Matt Roy, I always kind of like heard a duet on it. Cause it, I mean, the story is just so it makes complete sense to put it on there. Um, and so my producer, Jimmy Robbins, who also produces like a ton of people in town. Um, we were talking about who would be a really cool feature duet on this song. Um, and he brought up Brett Young because he was like, well, his voice is in that higher register. It could be a really cool, you know, combination. Y'all's voices would blend. So Jimmy is good friends with Brett. And he gave him a call and was like, hey, man, working with this new artist, Ashley Cook. And Brett was like, wait, I know this song. I've heard this song all over the place, all over the highway and all over the radio. Like, I love this girl. I love this song. Please let me be on it. So I was like, I'm an independent artist. And Brett Young knows who I am and wants to sing on my song. So it was really cool the way that all came together. And it really was like the most perfect duet fit. And he's been like the best duet partner and just the most like encouraging mentor in so many ways. And I've been on tour with him and um, it's been really cool. So it's, it was really a beautiful collaboration. Did he know anything about the bachelor? Or is he just like, where are you bringing me? Why are we, why are we in this room? I wonder if he performed on it before. Okay. It's uh, possible. 
think he did it one time before. So he kind of knew a little bit more of what to expect walking in. And he kind of gave me like a pep talk before and was like, yo, this is what you're going to expect. This is how it's going to go. So it was really nice to have somebody that kind of has been there, done that also with me. The Bachelor respects the hell out of country music. (laughs) Yeah, they do. And I'm so thankful for it. It's really, really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, Do you have a dream collaboration? I'm sure there's a, a, a bunch that would come to mind, but anything specific? Man, I mean, Ed Sheeran's always been a dream collaboration of mine. Either Ed Sheeran or Taylor Swift, which is funny because they've collaborated before. Yes. Uh, One of the two, I would just absolutely kill to collaborate with Ed. I mean, Ed's been like a huge inspiration since day one for me. So I love him. Oh my God. I love that. Okay. So you're going on tour this fall, correct? I am. Yeah. Starting in September. I'm so pumped. Okay. Tell me about it. Cole Swindell. Yeah. Cole Swindell. So weirdly enough. So one of my, actually my first major tour was with Cole Swindell. Um, less than a year ago. And I was first of three, which if you don't know what that is, it's, you know, there's three artists on a lineup. So I was the first, and then we had a direct support and then Cole. And so first of three is kind of like newer artists might not have a song on radio, might not even have a record deal yet. And that's where I was at, right? I was no record deal, no song on the radio, just Cole believed in me and wanted to bring me on the road, which was really, really, you know, huge for a young artist career. Um, so now it's been like a little under a year and he called me like, month or two ago and asked me to come out as, as his direct support for this tour. Oh, wow. So it's really cool how it progressed so quickly. We became such good friends and he's just really believed in me since day one. So I think it's like 20 dates. We're playing the Ryman auditorium, which I'm so over the moon about. I've never played it before. Huge legendary Nashville venue. Um, and we're playing my hometown for the last, the very last show on the oh entire God. My Meant to be. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> so it's going to be really, really special. Oh my goodness. Um, so what is like the best part of being on tour and what is the worst part of being on tour? It's <laughs> a great question. Um, I don't know if, you know, I'm one of those people who genuinely just loves the road. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm single and live alone. So when I'm on the road, it's like, I'm not really missing much back home. I like want to get out there and do it. Um, best part honestly seeing people sing words back like there is no better feeling than it just solidifies like you know all of the work you put in in the studio in the writing room you know on the road for 14 hours to play a 30 minute set you know there's just there's nothing like hearing those lyrics back because it just reminds you like you're doing something right and people are receiving it and it's not like just going into the abyss and then nothing um worst part hmm probably the drives i would say <laughs> I mean, cause you know, I'm a newer artist. We don't have a bus yet. We don't have a driver yet. So it's just me and my band guys really that kind of oh. get on the road and, and drive. So we all, you know, take turns. I don't really tend to drive very often, <laughs> but, I want me to. Um, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's like between seven to 15 hour drives between oh. each show. That's long after like the high of being on a stage. And then it's like, okay, let's go sit in the car. Exactly. And like a lot of the times we will drive through the night. So we'll play a show at like seven, you know, sometimes I'll get up with the headliner. So we'll stay until 11 or midnight and we'll drive back. And so we get home at 6am, like sleep in the van. And so, I mean, it's, but again, like, you know, this beginning phase is really going to be the mem are going to be the memories that we're never going to, you know, forget and let go of. It's, it's kind of like a building box to get to where you want to be. Yeah. I mean, there's a million like music competition shows. And since we were talking about reality TV because the bachelor, was that a road you ever wanted to go down or tried to go down? Or was it just like, you're lucky that the TikTok and things kind of maybe made things go a different way. You know, I definitely thought about it. I think I even auditioned at one point for the voice or one of the shows. I don't even know which one it was. Um, but I, you know, I was with my sister and a duo at the time, totally different world. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, 
it wasn't that I wasn't interested in it. I think I just always kind of felt like there was a different path for me. Um, actually ended up in Nashville because I went to college for marketing. So nothing oh, wow. at all. Um, and just stayed in Nashville and, and kind of focused on this starting in 2019. So it wasn't that it wasn't a path for me. I think I just always saw a different one, I guess. Okay. Okay. Whatever works. Yeah. Um, tell the us weekly listeners and readers what's next for you and your music. Do you have, what should we be listening to? Where can we listen to it? All that fun stuff, man. I'm so excited. I have my first like debut album in the works and I'm so beyond pumped for it. I just signed a record deal like two months ago. So this is my first like, wow, full congratulations. Album. Thank you so much. Um, my song never till now that I performed last night is at country radio right now. Um, my first song at radio, which I'm really pumped about, but we're going in the studio soon to record new music and a lot is coming. I just teased a new song on social media that may or may not be coming out soon. So, um, lots of new music touring. That's just kind of, you know, the, the moral of the story for the next couple of years. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for joining me and congratulations on again, technically a historic bachelor debut, because I think you're maybe one of the first to sing to just the bachelorette herself. <laughs> really? Am I the first one? I, I don't remember, maybe, I mean, I, I consider myself a historian, but I, they all run together these seasons because I've been doing this for a long time, but I cannot remember the last time I saw the musical performance not performed to the couple. So that's a great point. Yeah. I'm gonna do some research now and find out if that's accurate. Cause that's really interesting and kind of cool. So and you're lucky that you're, like you said, your song kind of works that way. Like if it was a straight up love song, it would have been a little, read a little more depressing <laughs> potentially. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think it would have. But I think but, it worked. I think it worked. The montage with Gabby in the bed, with you guys, with Rachel, like, and the poor Jordan in the car, it worked. It all worked out very well. I was very fortunate. And honestly, you know, again, I don't know anything about the season, but I really hope that, that Rachel was able to find that person because she seemed like she had such a good kind of like compass of where she wanted to go and like how she wanted to find that love. So yeah, hopefully she found it. <laughs> hopefully. All right. Well, thank you again for taking the time and maybe I'll talk to you soon and good luck and congrats on the song and the, the performance. Love that. Thank you so much, Sarah. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends about this podcast and come back every week for more Bachelor breakdowns. around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding right your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.